0: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. We are breaking out the time machine once again for you long time and lawyer listeners. Then you know that I'm a big believer in learning from the past, learning from what other people have said. How so? Well, talking with people that are older than you, that have already gone through life, gone through experiences, and asking a simple question, hey, what sort of things do you wish you would have maybe done differently? You know. Was that the best way you could have gone about a situation or was there another pathway you could have taken? Or in other words, you know, what sort of regrets do you have? And this is nothing new, we've done this before, but I like to keep on doing it whenever I see these new articles and studies come out because it's weird how you totally see the same exact things over and over and over again. So sure, full disclosure up front, I can't exactly say that there's necessarily anything new in this, but again, is it at least logical? Would you agree that it's at least somewhat rational to think, huh, you know, these keep things, if these certain things keep popping up over and over again, maybe it's something that I should really be considering and making sure that I'm doing because it seems like these people are not alone. And that's what I really hope to drive home. I will say that, you know, I guess a little unique twist I'm not gonna agree with all this person's regrets, they have seven of them, but for the most part, like I said, some of these, you've heard them before. So the article here comes from CNBC, the Make It section, and the title of it is 46-year-old millennial therapist, seven things I regret not doing in my 20s and 30s. Now, I'm not sure why they had to throw out a millennial therapist. Um, but the, the point here being that they're 46, right? So, I mean, if you're in your 30s or 20s, you know this person, it's not like there's some sort of old, old, old you know person or anything like that, but they are in a situation where they've been through more than quite a few others. And again, I think it would be wise to pay attention to what they have to say. Now, I'm not gonna read this article bit by bit, but we'll just kinda go through the points here. So I'm gonna skip down to point number one or I should really say, I guess, regret number one. So regret number one, saving my money ASAP. Financial experts have noted that not saving a retirement is one of the biggest money mistakes millennials make. And according to a recent survey, nearly 60% of adults admitted that neglecting to save is number one on their list of regrets. So right there, number one, 60%. So if you have 10 people standing there, six of them are gonna say, yeah, I, I regret, not saving, I, re, I regret not being more focused on it. 60%, that's, 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 a, that's a big number. The article goes on to say, something that I can relate to, in my early 20s, the idea that I would one day grow old and retire never fully sank in. I'd often spread, or excuse me, I'd often spend entire paychecks on things I didn't need. I thought I had all the time in the world to start saving money. Now I'm willing to bet a lot of people can relate to this when you're young. The last thing, I mean, it literally feels goofy. It it literally feels like, why am I I even spending any brain power on this? I'm 20s, I'm 30s. Retirement, retirement, that's not years away, that's decades away. So why am I thinking about something that is decades away? I'll worry about it later. And it's amazing. I mean, we've all procrastinated, right? We've all been in, well, I don't know about us all, but I know I have been in school and you got some sort of paper, you got some sort of research project, you got some sort of something that's due, and it's due, let's just say, on a Friday, and then all of a sudden on Wednesday or Thursday, you're like, you know, I should probably get started on that because, um, I mean, when I thought about it last, I I remember thinking, well, you still got three weeks before that's due. Now all of a sudden, you got one or two days. It goes all over the place. Procrastination and circling back, 60% of people regret not getting started. And I'm not, never gonna call anybody stupid because I, I could have been better. I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively proud of myself for what I did, but I could have definitely been better because I certainly suffered from the, not, not only is it not years away, that's decades away. So just, what are you doing? That's my question to you with grunt number one. Where do you stand in this regard? Not are you saving, because I see it a little bit too often, Be like, oh no, I'm good, I'm saving. Yeah, what are you saving, 50 bucks a month? All right. Don't get me wrong. That's good. I'm glad you're saving. I'm glad your thought process is in that kind of arena. But are you really sure you're saving technically? But are you just saving fifty dollars so you, that you can say that you're saving? Because fifty dollars a month, you know, that that's not that's not going to be enough over time, especially if you're good, if you have a, a you know a respectable paying job and all that, and you have a lot more than fifty dollars. So that's one thing that you have to ask yourself, is the amount you're saving, is that actually the, the amount that you can do or are you just doing that amount for the sake of being able to say, well, I'm saving, so I got it all taken care of. Because there's a big difference between saving realistically and then just simply you know, saving for the sake of saying that you can save. So number two here, and I'm not reading all these, but these are just kind of the broad points. So one again, or number one, nothing new as far as the show is concerned. We've seen this pop up time and time again from some of these you know, articles when we jump in the time machine and go into the future and see what people's regrets are. Number two, advocating for myself at work. At 24, I packed my books and moved to Los Angeles to pursue my dreams of making it big in Hollywood. While I was grateful to have a job, I regret not having the courage to stand up for myself. When I was denied a raise, I didn't ask what it would take to get one. When I felt mistreated by a superior, I kept my mouth shut because I thought speaking up would hurt my career path. Since, or starting a new career in your 20s can be intimidating, but standing up for yourself and calling out poorly handled situations can help you thrive in your career, while also inspiring change in your workplace. If I could go back in time, I'd tell my younger self, you may not have years of experience, but you do have the right to ask for what you want and need to, in order to find meaning and join your work. And I I agree to an extent, in principle, and in and, and the general framework, I do agree. However, I can also see in what I would, and I, I am talking to myself here too, but what I can see is, uh, how does it say? Um, yeah, so you may not have years of experience, but you do have the right to ask for what you want and need to in order to find meaning and joy in your work. So meaning and joy, okay, that, that's good. You should definitely want meaning and joy. But you also have to keep in mind that Maybe a way that you feel mistreated isn't actually being mistreated. Maybe that's just the way it is. And maybe you feel mistreated because, well, you're young and just starting out your career, so you don't quite know how it is. A little backdrop and context for this is for my other business, which involves the stock market and trading. Uh, there's a community, and you know sometimes new people show up in the community, and that's great. Everybody starts off new. There is absolutely nothing wrong with being new. But then these new people start to say stuff and they start to you know, tell us what their plan of action is gonna be and, you know, this, well, this is what I'm gonna do in order to start to generate some profits from the market and all that sort of stuff. And what they're saying is just not good. That it's not the way that you should go about it. And again, I'm not calling them stupid, I'm not calling them anything of that nature because, well, they're new. And when you're new and you don't know what you don't know, that's totally normal. However, we've had some people where after they're corrected, after they are said, no, 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 you're, you are wrong and then you, this is what you should be. We've had some people throw up, I've been mistreated. It's a bunch of jerks. So again, I, that's why I do agree, yes, if there's something that's blatant, if you are just, I mean, if it's as clear as day that you are being mistreated by a superior, then I do agree with this person. But there is that fine line where just because you may feel mistreated are you actually being mistreated or is it a situation where that person just wants you to get better? That person is just advising you in a way that sure, maybe it's a little hit on your ego because you thought you had it all figured out and then all of a sudden, oh, I guess I don't. But there's a big difference between offering up some tough love, we'll call it, and mistreating one person. As somebody that played up, you know, playing sports, um, I could sit there and be like, you know, I was mistreated by my coaches because if I screwed up, yeah, sometimes I really yelled at me and they'd get in my face and they'd, get, I mean, they'd let me know about it. So yeah, I could sit there and be like, I, I, I'm being mistreated, I need to stand up and speak for myself. Well, let's understand the context. The context is they want you to succeed. The context is they know you can succeed, that's why they're yelling at you, that's why they're getting on your case. I mean, have you ever thought about that from a, a, just kind of a coaching perspective? Would you ever yell or get all over your child's case for not being able to do calculus? Of course you wouldn't, why? Because you know they're a child and they can't do it. So if somebody is getting on your case, if somebody is yelling at you, it's because they believe you can do it and they're frustrated that you're not doing it. And what my coach has always told us is the minute we stop yelling at you, the minute we stop getting on your case, that's when you should start to worry because that means we've given up on you because we just don't think you can do it. So that's my kind of little two cents in regards to that. Again, I fully agree if it's something just blatantly, blatantly obvious that you are being mistreated, you should definitely speak up for yourself. But, but, you know, sometimes you gotta, the real world requires thick skin. The real world requires tough love every now and then. So don't view, you know, don't mix those two lines. Now I really do like this one. I I think um, I, I certainly screwed up on this and I'm trying to make a conscious effort of it going forward. But regret number three, taking the time to tell people I am grateful for you. I was so focused on my career in my early 20s that I failed to spend time with people I loved and cared about most. I assumed I could always show my appreciation for them later. But something horrible happened the year I turned 27. A close friend passed away and suddenly later no longer existed. Instead, there is only grief and guilt. If only I had taken this time to say those five words, I am grateful for you. Now, I express my love and gratitude more frequently and I encourage everyone to do the same. Whether it's a friend, romantic partner, parent, or even a mentor, failing to express gratitude and love for them is often a major regret for most people. And I nailed it, guilty as charged. I can see myself potentially having that regret. Um, I love what I do, I love quote unquote work, whatever you wanna call this. But sometimes, you know what, I, I gotta just chill out, take a step back and realize that there's there's, there's more to everything and I gotta make sure that people, I know that I am grateful for them because my friends are awesome. My wife is awesome. My in-laws are awesome. I know a lot of people are like, oh my, no, my in-laws are awesome. And that includes brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws. I am part of a great family. My own personal family. My parents are awesome. I'm very grateful for all those people. And I don't quite know if I do a good job, enough job letting them know that I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't think any of them listen to this, but if you do, I I really do appreciate you. you you're awesome. And I I got to do a better job of it. Even as bad as this probably makes me sound as a parent, my kids. I mean, I I know my kids know that I love them, but I, I I need to do a better job of just consciously saying that, and you know, just always trying to improve my game in that regard. So I mean, I am definitely not lecturing anybody on this one. I got a lot of work to do, but. That is the one point that I can say I greatly benefited from this. Because again, this is something that's 46. And while I don't agree with everything they're saying, you gotta give credit where credit's due, and that's definitely a very good one. Number four, embracing unemployment. And I will say right from the get-go, I do disagree with this one. So being 28 broke and jobless was a painful experience. I felt like my entire identity had been torn away and I'd held onto my Hollywood dream for so long that I didn't know who I was without it. It felt like all my friends had figured it out. They had great jobs, great relationship, great plans. They were happy. Meanwhile, I was lost and back at square one. But we all move at different paces in life. Patients in their 20s often tell me, I'm turning 30 in X amount of years and I don't have a successful career. For some reason, we've assigned 30, quote unquote, as the age in which we must have our dream job. And if we don't, we feel as if somehow we failed along the way. Here's my advice. Don't waste time obsessing over where you think you should be in your career by slowing down and embracing your journey. You'll learn a lot about yourself and what you really want to do with your life. And again, I agree from a general framework perspective. But embracing unemployment, you know, that, that's one of those situations where, yeah, you're not I'm not saying you need to have it figured out. But the, this whole idea about being broke and jobless and well, you know what, it's just part of the journey. Embrace it. No, 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 no. You need to be very active. You need to always be doing something. And if you get to the point of being, like I said, broke, that that's that's not really you don't want to do that. I, so, and like I said, to this credit, this may just be the author's words throwing embracing unemployment, but that just doesn't sit right. I feel like there could have been a a different set of words, but even with the way the disclosure is, you know, just sitting back, slow down, and just see what happens. No, don't slow down. Keep going, keep grinding the ax. It might, it may not be the ax that you ultimately wanna use long term, but at least you're grinding an ax, gaining experience, keeping money in your pocket while you still figure stuff out. So no, don't just be sitting there, wasting your time at jobs that you know for sure you don't wanna be doing long-term. Now, if it's a means to an end, that's much different. But if you're just going on your journey and working at McDonald's and I'm just trying to figure it all out. No, 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 no. You can do something better than McDonald's and I'm not ripping on people at McDonald's. If you're just, if McDonald's is your very first job and you're in high school and you're learning about responsibility, awesome, awesome. But if you're, in your 20s and you're, you know, I'm just going on my journey and I'm working at McDonald's, no. Be doing something that is definitely teaching you more life skills than what a a McDonald's flipping burgers is going to do in your 20s, right? So there's a big, big difference between just kind of this free-flowing, I mean, it it just comes across very hippie like This point, very, very hippie. just let's go. Embrace the journey. Yes, embrace the journey, but make sure that it's a, a very productive, journey, and I'm not saying productive in terms of getting it all figured out, but you, you know, just being like, it's okay if you're totally wasting your time. No, no, it's not okay if you're wasting your time. Your time should be spent on trying to figure out what that dream job is, and I'm pretty sure that in your 20s, you know that the dream job is not McDonald's. Even if you spend your time on something that doesn't turn out to be the dream job, you know what, at least you tried, at least you now know, but I'm pretty sure nobody's dream job is flipping burgers for the rest of your life. So you should not be spending your time while you embrace the journey, no. Number five, being fearless and taking chances. After realizing that Hollywood wasn't for me, I needed to consider other options. My father and sister were both attorneys, so I tried doing some trial consulting, which I didn't enjoy all that much. First off, that's great. I I would say that is exactly what I'm just talking about. They're attorneys, so you tried doing some trial consulting. Okay. that's. I could see maybe something there on a pathway, but you know what, you didn't enjoy it, that's fine. At least now you know. Deep down, I really, or deep down I really wanted to be a therapist. I often thought about starting my own practice, but kept finding excuses not to do it. All because I didn't have enough faith in my abilities. Of course, I eventually got over my insecurities and made the jump. I'm happy I did, but I wish I had done it much sooner. Now when a patient of mine expresses doubt, I encourage them to take risks. I I remind them that even if they fail, they'd fail knowing that they weren't afraid to try. Again, I agree, general principle, but I can also see, and I, I would argue that this is a, a big problem in society, is people will say stuff like this. Hey, you know what? I know that's your dream. I, I know that that's what you wanna do, so take some risk. Take, take a risk, and you know what? If they fail, well, at least you gave it a try. But if, if your risk, if your dream job is, well, you know, I really wanna get that PhD in American literature, so I'm gonna take the risk. I'm gonna pull out thousands upon thousands upon th- tens of thousands of dollars to go and get my PhD in American literature, because you know what? That's what I really wanna do, and I know the job prospects are basically zero. Basically, the only chance is I become uh, some sort of teacher or I become a college professor, but I'm mean, in order to get a PhD, I'm you know talking about like I said, tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to hopefully get a job, but you know what, I'm gonna take that risk. That is what I would disagree with is that's, that's not a very well thought out risk. If you are able to look into the job market, which you are, and see, you know, that doesn't look like a very promising job outlook. It looks like the chances of me getting a job are kinda low, so am I really willing to take on this much debt in order to then maybe get a job? That's just a silly risk. That risk doesn't make any sense. You can, be, you can do all sorts of awesome stuff with American literature by just having it as a hobby. Sit around, read books, read literature, do all that stuff. Start a blog online where, where you can just talk with people. Start a YouTube channel. Heck, start a podcast. And none of that requires tens of thousands of dollars in debt. So there are definitely things that, yes, you need to take a risk. Everybody's gotta take a risk every now and then. Me quitting my job, uh, you know, when I worked full time with the awesome benefits at Honeywell uh, and all that sort of stuff 401k, matching, paid vacation, job all of that sort of stuff. There's a risk that I took, but it was definitely a very calculated risk. So don't, you know, sometimes people get this whole attitude of, well, you know, you, you got to try it and you can't have any success unless you take a risk. But let's try to make our risks as logical as possible. Let's try to make our risks as well thought out as possible so we can try to rig the risk in our favor. And the way you do that is you you go through, uh, you just don't go and do something. And that's what way too many people are doing. And I'll just stick on, you know, kind of the college thing. Way too many people are saying, well, you know, I'm just gonna do it. I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm taking the risk and the risk just doesn't pay off. I mean, getting an American literature PhD versus getting a risk or versus the risk of getting, let's just say, a nursing degree or a dental hygienist degree or uh, not even going to college and you know learn how to become an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter or something like that, there are much, all of those are risks, but there are much different risks within each one of those. And I would say never bail out. I'm not saying that to the person that wants to do American literature not to do American literature. I'm just saying, find something that can fund your American literature hobby. So if you have a good paying job, hey, now you can buy some stuff for a podcast and there you go, You're, you're, you're venturing in the world of American literature on your terms without being loaded down in debt. Number six, taking care of my body. Health brings a type of freedom and happiness that very few realize until they no longer have it. When you're young, it's easy to take your health for granted. Yes, guilty as charged. It wasn't until my early 30s, guilty as charged when my father was diagnosed with cancer that I started to make big changes in my lifestyle. But I regret that it took seeing my family suffer in order for me to focus uh, on my own health. So many people say, I don't have time to go to the gym or I don't wanna eat or I wanna eat what I wanna eat. Who cares if I die early? But ask any doctor and they'll tell you quick, it's not about dying sooner, it's a matter of whether you wanna be stuck with a chronic disease and suffer for 10 to 15 years while modern medicine tries to keep you alive, this one absolutely describes me to a T. And you know, I got to my 30s, and I, I just I, I lost control. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And the one unique thing about me is with my other business, you know, it's all documented on uh, the YouTube channel I have, where you can see me start off, you know, in decent health, but then, yeah, I, I kind of call it my wrecking ball days, where I become like perfectly a sphere, and then all of a sudden, I I kind of woke up. And it was kind of one of those situations where, you know, I just don't feel good. I feel tired, I feel miserable. I I feel like I'm not being productive. And I look in the mirror and think, ah, you know, that's that's just, not that it's all about looks, but it's about health. And when you do look certain ways, that's not healthy. And just my brain was, everything was off. And I decided to, to take back control and Uh, you know, just get healthy again. And like I said, the one unique thing about my journey is literally all documented months upon months upon months because, you know, with my other business, I have that YouTube channel, so people have seen the progress being made. In fact, it's been made so much, or I've had so many people ask about, hey, Clay, you know, I started watching your videos on this date and now I'm kind of caught up and wow, you've actually really transformed. How'd you do it? And the how'd you do it question has come up enough and enough and enough, where now I I created an entire online bootcamp with it which is on our separate website, maintainthegains.com, if you're interested in that. Uh, But yeah, health, very, very important, and I could not agree anymore. But the one thing that I never really thought about, so the first thing that I I take, you know, like I said earlier, all about gratitude for other people. But the second thing that I never thought about, but it's a unique perspective, is from doctors. The whole, because I hear it all the time, well, you only live once, and I like donuts, so I'm gonna eat I'm just doing all that right now. So they eat whatever they want. They don't want to go to the gym. You only live once, so let's just let's have fun. And you know what? If, if I die early, who cares if I die early? At least I live life. And you know, I like I said I'm. I don't think I'm anything unique. I'm sure you've heard something very similar. But what I've never thought of until I read the article was the whole. It's not about dying sooner. It's about basically being tortured, being tortured and suffering for ten to fifteen years before you die because you have chronic diseases. You have your health is so jacked up that it's not like la di da di da. I'm eating so much good food. Oh, this is great, and you're dead. All right. Well, but no, ten to fifteen years of suffering and heartache and pain and just being miserable. And I thought you know that is so true because for some reason, in my mind, it always puts it off. Oh man, you know, because I'll admit. Sometimes when I don't want to eat healthy, I'm just like, oh, you know, that donut looks, ah, oh, that donut looks so great right now. Or I don't feel like going in and working out. Um, and and but your mind just, it never seems to quite connect the dots that that it's not like it's all. Hey, you're just living life, you're making the most of it, and then you're dead. It's you're living life, you're living life, and then starts the things start to slow down, and then oh, you're not feeling so good, and then all oh, you go to the doctor, and oh, now I got to get on these medications, and oh, now I got to get these shots and oh now I gotta pay so much more money in medical bills and oh man, now I'm, I'm I mean it is, it really, it literally is, it's a torture process. It's a slow, steady decline and a lot of people, you know, I'm raising my hand, myself included, they don't quite get that, it didn't really, it doesn't dawn on them that it, you just don't die. It is a slow, steady, quite frankly, miserable process. I mean, of course, The doctor was much more, you know, he he had better words than I do. It's a matter of whether you wanna be stuck with a chronic disease. In other words, it's a matter of, do you wanna be tortured? So not, yeah, stuck with a chronic disease. A a nice doctor speak there, how professional of him. But luckily, I'm not very professional, but basically he's saying, whether you wanna be miserable and suffer. Well, I guess he just say, he used the word suffer. But for 10 to 15 years, maybe even longer, while modern medicine tries to keep you alive and modern medicine trying to keep you alive, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching for you. You're gonna be paying for that. So not only is your life gonna be just pretty miserable from a a flat-out health perspective, but your finances are, I mean, not for all people. I mean, if you've got all kinds of money, then the financial part is not gonna mean as much. But I mean, for some people, right there, that's, that's gonna be a very, very rough situation. And then number seven, caring too much what others think. When I first started working as a counselor at a rehab center, many of my patients didn't like me. They were angry at me for enforcing rules and for challenging them, but their anger had very little to do with me. More often than not, I'd be the only person in front of them so I'd get the wrath of their frustrations. You can only control things like what you create, what you say, how you feel and what you think, but you can't control how someone else might receive all those things. With this essay, for example, I'm in control of how honest and vulnerable I am in sharing pasts in parts of my life with you. But I can't control whether you find it helpful or not. My job is to show up and be my truest self. The rest is out of my hands." And yeah, to this person, obviously I, I disagreed with some of their points, but hey, good for them. They, they threw it out there that they, they were vulnerable, they, they talked about themselves, and I also benefited greatly from a couple of them. But that, that's the name of the game. And really, yeah, at the end of the day, you can't you, you can't care too much about what others think. Keyword there being too much because again, it all goes back to that whole thing of, well, I'm being mis, you know, I'm not being treated fairly or I'm being, you know, what was the exact wording? I can't remember. Um, oh, mistreated. I'm being mistreated. The, yeah, that's true, but there's also the point where don't latch on and just be Like, I don't care what any people think. I'm doing it my own way. Oh, yeah? I don't care what you think. I don't think you're mistreating me because I I, I just don't care what you think. So there's always extremes, and that's why I appreciate caring too much about what others think. There are some people that you should care what they have to say and what they think, because maybe, just maybe, they can help you, you know, get along that path. And way too many people out there adapt this attitude, and again, the general framework is true, but that's why I love, there, there's power in too much there. Because if you care too much, then yes, but that also is implying that you should care some. Not too much, but you should care some because some people are actually what they think about you can greatly benefit you. So you can adapt. You know the 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 far flung side of things. You're like, nope, I just don't care. Whatever, and it doesn't matter. So just, I agree there again in reference, but just um, a little bit of kind of you know framework. Just keep that in mind. Uh, You know you don't want to take any of these to an extreme. But I I, this was very beneficial for me as and very therapeutic. So I definitely got to get out there. Make sure people realize that I am grateful for them. And you know the, the big things, yes, money, money matters. Yes, you should be saving. But the big thing is, where is your health at? You know, How are you feeling? Do you know that you should be better? Because you can be as rich as rich can be. But as that doctor said, sure maybe financially, that's, it's never going to be a burden for you to keep up with all the treatments and keep up with all the medicines. But I mean, rich, all that money, and then not having your health, you know, that's that's something where when it breaks down to money versus health, uh, you know, people will give me the money. That's fine. Have, fu- have fun enjoying the money. Have fun, and, and go- have fun spending all that time at the doctor's office and getting all sorts of weird trial stuff and just, so, you know, that's just what I'm gonna ask you. Where does your health stand? Uh, if you're curious how I did it, like I said, maintainthegains.com. Um, and it, it works and there's more and more people that go through it and they're getting results. Uh, but even if you don't, this is not a sales pitch for that, I'm just saying I can totally relate and please take my word for it, take take my regret and it's not pleasant, it's not worth it to let yourself spin out of control but if you have, just admit it and get yourself on some sort of plan and strategy and you can turn things around and once again, there's no photoshopping, there's no tricks, there's no gimmicks. I think, I would argue, I think I have one of the most unique health journeys out there because of that whole YouTube channel a lot of people are like, yeah, they, they post a before and after picture and it's like, yeah, but I mean, is that actually real or what's going on? No, mine is literally as real as it can get from the YouTube channel. So I mean, what I teach and what my boot camp will show you is exactly what I did. And it, it will get your health back on track and make it sustainable. But, you know, just do what's best for you and realize that, um, you know, if somebody kind of hints at you, yeah, I don't know, how's, how are you feeling? You know, how how's your health? How are you doing? Don't be like, Well, I don't care what anybody thinks. Those are the people that that's something that you should care about if somebody is maybe suggesting politely and maybe beating around the bush that yeah, I don't know something might be wrong with your health. But overall, great points, great reg- not great regrets, great regrets or great things that we can learn about from these regrets. There we go. I don't think I don't think a great regret is really the right wording there, but you know what I mean. So, thanks for hanging out. Got a good long 30 minute one here and I'll see you back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating. That goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there, and I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself,